It's Paul. It's Florin. What are we grinding today? We are grinding financials and how to be more disciplined as a founder. Florian, why do you think that it's important for a founder to track cost, expenses, revenue streams, basically to track these, these stuff? Well, in my experience, people don't really like tracking anything and they're basically very happy to rely on blind luck. And it's like if I'm tracking something and seeing that something goes wrong, you know, that's bad. And I want to get that feeling that everything is going good. And I uh, think this is one of the main reasons why people don't track anything. Oh, okay, so basically if I'm a founder that I have a lot of money, I don't track yeah. some costs because if I have money to pay them, I don't want to know and to see how much money I spend on coffee, for example, for the office. Exactly. I mean, you do have the money right now and that's all that matters. <laughs> ah, okay. It's, okay. Um, it, it's a really great pitfall that I guess a lot of founders fall into, especially founders that have been funded by investors. And they fall into this uh, into this trap of not tracking anything and they basically have no idea if they're generating cash or wasting cash. Do you think that usually founders think at cost and revenue streams initially when thinking about their startup or is just something that at some point I might get to if I have the time? Well, it's, uh, it's not easy to answer this question. Why? Because most founders, they do think about costs and revenue streams in the initial planning phase when they write down their business model, especially because they need to present that to investors. But then they either go bootstrapped or they get actual financing. And after, and after this step in their process, they no longer track costs and revenue streams because they're all in the business plan. So why would I bother with them on an ongoing basis? So I guess the biggest problem comes from founders who quit studying these metrics uh, after actually starting out with their own money or with money from investment. I would be curious. So um, those who listen to us, just drop us a, a message in the group because if would be to ask yourself now, do you know on what your money go on a monthly basis? Let's say top three costs and top three revenue streams for your startup. I, I would be really curious. I don't know what about you, but I would be curious to see how much of our listeners actually know which are their top three expenses on a monthly basis. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And uh, and it should be something, I, I mean, for me, it would be interesting to see that you know the specifics, so you know the exact cost. You don't know the group of costs, but you know the exact cost where you spend most of your money. Because, for example, in, in our station, I remembering that as two technical founders, so we didn't have no tracking at all of expenses, of revenues. Basically, we didn't have at least an Excel file in which to put the total cost that we have each, uh, each month. So I remember that basically we... Uh, in the first year, we didn't have nothing. In the second year, we started just with a simple Excel sheet in which we had the revenue on one column and mm -hmm. the cost on other column, but only as totals. Oh, No budget, no nothing. Next year, we compared our revenue with the previous year. 
so it was a little <laughs> bit better. And actually, we start doing budgets for the cost, and I will get immediately uh -huh. to to this part. How was in in your situation like? I wasn't allowed to make such oversight. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, uh, when when I first started my first startup, uh, I had a guy. He was a financial officer at Microsoft in Seattle, and he was advising our startup, trying to help us get investments and stuff like that. And and at one point, he said, "Dude, do you guys really want investments? Then you have to learn what's inside this Excel sheet." And if you don't know that, don't even bother asking my, for my help again. Actually, so I, I didn't formulate the question quite well. The idea was, yeah, so Excel was in, in your situation the, the best friend also at the beginning or was some other yeah. tool? Obviously, Excel, I mean, it has it, it had all of these guys' formulas inside and we tracked cash flow, um, churn rate, growth, uh, subscriptions lifetime value all of that stuff inside this excel file so it was a super huge excel file it took me a while to fully understand it it was quite complicated for me as a first-time entrepreneur it was like way too much right because because i had no training in finance and this was even before i made some studies into business administration got a mini mba and stuff like that so basically all of this was completely new for me so i think a, a nice takeaway from here would be that if you're at very beginning or you don't have no financials uh, education, just initially talk with somebody about this. Yeah. To, to get some help. Yeah. And I mean, even it, it doesn't really matter where you are. There's going to be finance guys who organize events in your city. Try to find these business events where they talk about finance uh, and how you can grow your business purely based on fi on financial data, and and go to those go to those seminars or join some webinars on this. Find uh, a couple of courses and lectures on Coursera, and you you will find a lot of knowledge. And this is something you need as an entrepreneur. You said about revenue streams, about lifetime value, and and all these parts. So all of us know that the business model canvas is the the most common if not one of the common uh, tools for, yeah. for the startup founders. How do you think is this related to, to costs? Like, does this help the founders to think at the cost from the beginning? Does it not? So initially, I'm looking at the business model canvas. Is this part that I'm focusing on or like, is it ignored? I think everybody ignores that part. It's just like those last few steps in your BMC, in your business model canvas that you need to complete. And people just do it because they need to complete that part. But nobody actually knows what's going on inside revenue streams and cost structure. I mean, I can give an example. So most of the founders at these events that I go to and I mentor, uh, I ask them about their cost structures and everybody's like, we're going to have hosting costs. And I'm like, yes, of course you will have hosting costs. You guys do stuff based on a freaking cloud and you have servers. Yes, everybody knows that. But what about your real costs? You know, taxes, salaries, office rent. space, internet provider, rent, exactly. Uh, Your time. Yeah. Because I, I think yeah. like this is one of the most important costs that the founders don't take into account. Their time. Yep. I, I remember like for us, 
we were like working a lot. And I mean, a lot. We were like when we're leaving at two, three in the night from the office and just doing development. And actually, we had this discussion with a friend of mine who's uh, a manager in a big company. And he was like, what are your costs? I was like, zero. <laughs> we were staying in a, in a friend office, so we didn't have costs with this. We have our own laptops. We didn't pay internet because it was from there. And it was like, really, no cost. And I was like, no, I didn't pay nothing this month, like zero money. I don't have any cost. I was like, okay, let's see. Two developers. Hmm, let's say yeah. on average you work like 200 hours per month, yeah, 400 nice. hours. Or I don't know how the development hour is now in different parts, but let's say, or a few bucks. It was like, this is your cost. Yeah. Y yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's actually something that nobody really takes into account because when you start out, you think that you will have the drive uh, to keep it going forever on that sort of a cost structure where everything is free except your own time. And then you'll get to one point where you will figure out that you can no longer do that because you will be overburned and you will simply not function properly. Uh, and in that case, basically, uh, you will no longer have the opportunity to pay the costs. And that's when, when your business tanks. So, yeah, I, I think it's really nice. And I think that a lot of people don't really think about this. Yeah, because in the end, like, it's it's the most important thing that, that you have and you actually invest it in. Yeah, and you need to think about it as an investment that has to stop at one point. Yeah. You know, because you can't drag it on for two years. You, you, may, you may do it for one year, maybe, maybe one year and a half, but you will not be able to push through two years of doing the same uh, 16 hours a day uh, work days. It's, it's crazy. I've done that, so I know. And it's crazy. And years after that, you will sometimes regret the decisions because you'll be too tired. Uh, you, you will see that you could have done a lot of other things in that time to earn more money or to develop another business. There's a cost of opportunity attached to that. So, yeah, time costs a lot. Cost of opportunity. Can you detail a little more here, like for who's not very familiar with it? Yes. So uh, let's say that you have a startup doing something, uh, I know, food ordering or whatever. Uh, you dedicate like shit tons of hours to it. You do 16 hours a day gigs to keep that so-called business going. It's not really a business, but you think it's a business. And, you know, you, you do this for one year, it doesn't work, and then you will have a revelation after doing that, that maybe in that time, in those 16 hours a day, for one year, you could have worked a lot of different things, which would have gotten your next business funded. Now, this is the cost of opportunity, because you've basically wasted a lot of time, but that time could equal, I know, $100,000, maybe you would have made $100,000 which you now don't have because you've spent it all on the defective business. And continuing on, on this idea, I think there is another cost that people should be aware and should track it and is the cost of acquisition. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, that's like, this like s sort of like the problem with the time, right? Cause 
I know a lot of founders. I know myself because because I've done this. My co-founder has done this, and a couple of people working for us have done that. Uh, it's like, yeah, you know what? Our marketing doesn't cost a thing, man, because we are doing that nonstop, and we're basically acquiring so many users, and we do that all of that. We do it for free. Yes, but how much does your salary cost? How much does the salary of those employees cost? Get it all together. Add all of the taxes, all of the relevant taxes. Then, then add the office space, the coffee they drink at the office, the other benefits that they have. Uh, plug in how many hours they work on that free marketing and then see how much cost is associated in your business with keeping those engines going. And besides this, just think in those hours that you invest in these marketing campaigns, how much money you could have done by thinking at the strategy of the company. Actually, Florina is enjoying the coffee too much now. Yeah, this is really good coffee, man. <laughs> what did you get us today? It was the, it's the latest uh, Ecuador from, from Square Mile. So those guys from London are, are making a great coffee. So... Uh, actually, we're not paid by them, so we just enjoyed their their coffee. We aren't paid yet. Yeah, but <laughs> if you want to, to buy us a coffee, just go to buy us a coffee. Uh, yeah, go to the website startupespresso.live and you will find the link there because we're good at user experience and stuff. Yeah, and now like seriously on, on that part, like just think of that part, the hours that you're investing in like doing... Uh, email template for the marketing campaign you could have spent those hours as a founder thinking at the strategy and the direction of the company so the cost of opportunity here is again yeah it's pretty large on on that part yeah for us so in our example on you were saying here about the hours that you invested in marketing so for us we're at a point in which we did the invoices in excel because we were bootstrap and we didn't pay for a software to for the invoicing, and then we that's just... actually great because a lot of founders they will go and um, get expensive tools like fifty dollars a month tools where they make one invoice, and that's just wasted money. So Excel is probably better. Yeah, I, I would like at some point in in the episode to get back to this part of like different tools that could cost and you maybe uh -huh. replace them by something else which is free in the beginning yeah. but in our situation we were in a point in which we saw that we are doing uh, recurring invoices and actually when we are looking at the time that we spent doing certain things um, during a day we saw that there is some part that we were uh, investing in doing ourselves the invoices in, in Excel then we outsource it to, to a company, but we saw that it's even um, good from a cost perspective for us just to pay a software that is doing recurring uh, invoicing. In our station, we are using something which is specific to Romania, given the fact that we are selling only on the local market. But mm -hmm. maybe do you know something which is internationally that you could recommend for the people, for example? Yeah, there's there's FreshBooks. Uh, they they kind of suck at customer service. I, I, I will give them that. But luckily, you don't really need their customer service too often because their platform is good. <laughs> this is a great recommendation. 
But yeah, we've been using FreshBooks for a while for the invoices. Uh, actually, it's, it's pretty good. You open this subject, and I think would be so customer support. Like, if you want to do it properly, I think you have a lot of cost there because it takes you some money, even if you have a really awesome product. Look, I don't want to be one of those finance douchebag gurus that says it's not a cost, it's an investment. But most of the times, most of the times, it is an investment. Like, we, we could make like a whole episode about how to deliver customer service, but the idea is that in our case, anyway, uh, we grew a lot in the first two years only because we were the best in our market at customer service. And more about the customer service and how to do it properly, probably in the next episode. But yeah. uh, So in our case, it was definitely an investment. It helped us grow, even though, yeah, we did spend a lot of time doing customer service. And also, customer service will help you create a much better product if you do it pro- <laughs> um, if you do it right so it basically it's a cause that helps your product become better it helps your sales get better and it help, helps word of mouth to go around related to your company so if you do it right yeah you can make money out of it otherwise it's just an annoying cost which you will want to outsource to india like microsoft does hosting how do you think about hosting from a cost perspective should you invest a lot in it or because in my opinion as a tech person I think you have like for example with Azure from Microsoft with AWS from from Amazon or with a Heroku for example like you could go with very cheap and I think these parts in which you pay on on demand on how much you use it's really nice in the beginning so it's I not really nice why because you can predict it yeah but yeah, you can, you can budget predict it. it. Yeah, but you you know on Azure you you can have you can have costs just randomly because Microsoft says it's a bug and then you you will end up paying thousands of dollar dollars during a month and there are other companies doing these practices so it's not only that one there are a lot more uh, companies doing this thing from from my discussions with other founders so you shouldn't really rely on that because you need to make sure that they don't open up a lot of unused inventory just because they want to they, they wanna hit their revenue targets for the month or their cash flow targets for the month. No, I, I think that you should buy, especially uh, if you're just starting out, you don't really have customers. You won't have customers in the next few months because let's, let's be honest, you want to really rocket marketing. Uh, and it's much better if you just use a couple of very cheap hosting solutions, but cheap but very very reliable like you have Hatsunor in Germany uh, and then you can start pretty good machine with 30 euros and it's all you need and it's a lot better than than cloud architecture and stuff like that I mean for example we were on Azure Plus uh, on, on Microsoft's Bispark program or whatever that was and we had like $60,000 of hosting from Azure and it was it was more painful to use. It got us distracted from building the actual product and we learned about cloud management and other stuff that we've never ever used. And then we switched back to our very cheap Hetzner servers and we kept offering that service for hundreds of thousands of sites and we didn't really care. And it was a lot better choice for us. Building on this part with uh, budgeting and, and stuff. So for example, 
Let's take some scenarios. Let's say a very early startup that is working to validate the idea. A startup that is somewhere in trying to get to the product market fit and a startup in, let's say, some growth phase. So the initial one, what do you think should budget a lot? I think that it should budget a lot on development and on the market research, actually the customer interviews and, and everything. Uh, we tend to disagree on this episode. <laughs> so uh, Actually, I, I would only budget for customer interviews, like no, no development whatsoever. I'm the tech person, so I still want some money for the developers. So. <laughs> True. <laughs> You're going to get stuck in market research, my friend. <laughs> yeah, so, so just market research. And, you know, if you really want a great piece of advice, all of you people listening to the podcast, uh, I found out that when developing tech products, you can actually even white label license technology at first. So basically you can have your product built by other companies and then just sell it under your brand. This is done a lot in retail and a lot of the products that you buy on a daily basis. Don't worry, it's completely done in tech. I've recently found out a lot of ideas and a lot of companies making uh, tens of millions in annual recurring revenue and they are basically white labeling everything and you will not know that those solutions come from them. And it's really amazing what you can do if you don't build the product, you just validate and once you validate it, then you go and build your own product and actually do the thing. So it's a, I, I know it's a really big shift in perspective. I'm not sure if you can do it across any industry, but if you can, this is the best solution. This is the best idea for validating businesses. Oh, okay, because actually, so how I was thinking was to build something, test it, iterate, test, iterate, like the building was part of the validation, but to validate with some small iteration, like I've done that. Small and MVPs. And it, and it takes a lot of energy. It distracts you a lot. I, I found that to be very, very ineffective. Okay. It, it it was for our case anyway. It was completely ineffective. That that was not a great solution for us. Let us know if you have experience on on these parts. How yeah. you did it and if it works or or not. Yeah, join our join our Facebook group. Uh, and let us know what you think about this. So if you would if you would go strictly on market research at first, or if you would try to develop as much as possible while also being lean, as in a lean startup. Yeah, exactly, like like iterating a lot. Yeah. Um, a startup that, for example, has the initial revenue and it's somewhere hitting the product market fit here. By the way, did, did, I, did I tell you, <laughs> sorry for digressing, but did I tell you that at one point we spent like, uh, this this was another business, another startup that I never really got off the ground. It's It's another story, but... The idea is that we were trying to build like a digital literary circle where people could get uh, on the platform, they could write their poems, their novels, and then other people would read them. And we've basically spent like three weeks uh, trying to develop the platform and then a couple more weeks, but in which we didn't work so intensely on this. We didn't build anything. It was horrible. We didn't have anything to show for it. And then in one weekend... I single-handedly built all of that thing using BuddyPress in WordPress. All of it. All of our plans, all of our ske uh, sketches for the MVP, all of it built in BuddyPress in one weekend. 
So yeah. <laughs> no, actually, it's first time when you're telling me this. <laughs> really nice. So I I think that yeah we sidetrack a little bit, but I think it's okay. So here I think it's very important the background because for example in my situation as a tech founder it would have been more easier to build that stuff from a technical perspective. In your situation, for example, you actually hacked the product to say like that, like didn't develop it, but actually build the product with some existing tools there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you, and you can totally hack it together. You, you just want to show people that uh, something is made and something works. And once you know that it works and you start to reach product market fit, then you can go in full developer mode and really start doing that because you will know that you will earn a lot of money, which will help you develop the product. Yeah, because I think it's very important to know that what you build is what the customers want, what the users want, because the development costs a lot. Yeah. And you don't want to develop something based on some hypothesis that you didn't actually test them. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I learned this on, <laughs> on my skin. So, Me too. Uh, <laughs> And, yeah. I've, and I've learned it on my skin, uh, on, 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 on my own, actually, after I've built two successful products. The third one that I've built was completely unsuccessful because I've done exactly this. I had a hypothesis. I thought that I tested it right. I didn't. Uh, and then I've built a lot of stuff, which took a lot of years, a lot of developers, and we didn't get anywhere with the product. So, yeah, that was a huge burn. That, that was really bad for cash flow. So, like, to, to join... The other two examples uh, that we initially said that we'll d discuss them differently. So there would be that invest a lot in market research and customer development. Then at some point start to yeah. move easily by easily by building the product and growing the product. Right. Yeah, it's uh, it's not nice. I mean, founders usually don't don't really want to talk to customers because it's hard, because it's out of their comfort zone, because they think that the customers will say that their their baby is ugly, uh, and other stuff like that. You know, this is my startup. This is my baby. This is my child. I put a lot of passion in, in into this, and then the customer walks in and says that he doesn't need that or that the product isn't good. And you don't really want to hear that about your passion project, right? And that's why a lot of people are super afraid of getting out there and talking to customers. And even more, if you invested a lot in developing it. Yeah, yeah. Like two years. <laughs> but man, it was only our time. Like, we didn't pay no one. No, actually, actually, I did. <laughs> so in our situation, we're two developers that, we, yeah, we invest a lot of time. Yeah, and I think we started with financials and we got like to some disagreements in this episode. Yeah, I guess so. If there will be a takeaway that you would suggest to our listeners like on budgeting and looking at their financials, what that would be? Well, it's so interesting. You really need to know what goes into cash flow and especially to plot out recurring revenue, how it keeps growing, because in the first few months you will see that you have recurring revenue and it's annoying because it grows so slow, but it's like a it's like a snowball effect, you know? The the more you get into it, the more you acquire customers who are paying on a monthly basis, the more money you will earn 
overall so in nine months you could be earning a lot of money even though during the first three months you see that there's not a lot of revenue coming out from that and if the lifetime of a customer so the time that he spends with your company with your subscriptions is huge then that snowball is only gonna get larger uh, then you need to know how that's gonna be affected by churn because some of the people uh, on your subscriptions they will quit their subscriptions and that will negatively affect the the snowball that's that's building up um, that that's what you really need to know and really like make a lot of plans in Excel and see how these numbers go and how they grow from month to month try to place churn there try to place growth try to place a lot of numbers it will help you really predict what's going to uh, actually go in, in your business and the fact that I've predicted a lot of things in my business like like we have multiple products across multiple industries and it's really helped me like in a lot of the moments where we had problems or where we had huge success I've foreseen it because I kept using this model so nothing really surprises me a lot because I always know what's going on so I know what to expect so when you know something bad happens I'm I'm like yeah, I'm I'm sorry this happened. This is it, but I predicted it. It's not a big deal. I have backups, like five backups for this situation. So if backup one fails, I have backup two. Then if backup two fails, I have backup three. And I have multiple versions of the files where I keep the costs and the revenues. So if something bad, like super bad happens, I have the other sheet in the, in the Excel file or in the Google Drive spreadsheet. And I will know what to expect if another one of my founders or one of my investors asks me okay so if that's gonna go bad what's gonna happen to the business I have the other excel file I will show them the other excel file and most of the times it will work this is something that I actually learned from one of my investors uh, you need to be very good at predicting this stuff because otherwise you will not have credibility uh, you know uh, credibility of your employees of your investors and and that's why i've really started to be prepared now a lot of things have gone have gone poorly have gone badly but i was always kind of prepared for them and 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 this is incredible like i know a lot of founders who weren't prepared for anything and then they've suffered a lot uh just because they couldn't deal with the problem that appeared and other ideas are to follow noah kagan from AppSumo. uh he has a lot of great ideas on how to think about unit sales, how to structure unit sales, and how to prepare for selling more units of your product. And I think that uh, his methods even sends you an Excel file in, in one of his art blog articles. Uh, I think he does a really great job at helping you plan the sales and the sales targets that you are going to make. Because when we had the most success, it was in those periods where we had actual sales targets. Now, because we've done a lot of stuff lately in, in, in the last year, we didn't really measure those sales targets as well as we used to. And that has uh, taken our business on the wrong path because we didn't do that. And now that's what we're getting back to. So that's also super important. Actually, getting back to the Excel that I started with, actually our latest version and what we added to it is basically the, the revenue target. Oh, nice basically yeah. and revenue target and besides revenue target a profit target because okay that that was also what we were looking at and I, I was laughing at some point i don't know if uh you heard me because i wanted to say that as there are the powerpoint 
founders which have a backup slide prepared for every question. <laughs> I think there are like the real founders that actually have, as you say, an, yeah. another Excel sheet for a bad or for a good scenario and they are prepared like with real numbers, with validated data and not just like some PowerPoint with $3 billion market that will take 1% and will be See, we can agree. Happy. I totally agree with this. I Actually, totally if we take 1%, we have enough money for the coffee. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. From my perspective, I think like just keep an eye on, on your cost. Keep an eye on, on your development costs, on your hosting, on your marketing, on the development. Don't develop it unless you're sure that it will bring value to, to your users and invest and budget uh, a lot for customer support because doing yeah. it properly will not only save you money, but probably, probably uh, bring you money from, from more customers. Yeah, and sales targets and sales yeah. targets. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. And budget money for like bad periods of, of time. Okay, mm -hmm. I think the budgety time for this episode is <laughs> almost done. done. Drain. <laughs> Uh, it's all folks <laughs> yeah and don't forget we're not your consultants we're not your lawyers and we're not your financial advisors <laughs> but we are not we will accept the coffee so buy us a coffee and join our Facebook group for more discussions yes and talk to your CFO he will definitely like to buy us a coffee for the for the great non-advice non-consultancy and non-legal advice that we've given you in this episode <laughs> see ya see ya